7-Eleven teams up with Nero, a Gen Z survey on food systems hurting the planet, and Shake Shack goes premium. That's all ahead on this week's Monday Minute. Monday Minute works like this. We're going to ask each other five questions about five of the top headlines from the last week. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, first questions for you this week, Meredith. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported this week that some restaurants may be switching off third parties. What's your take? Well, I think the headline is probably a little more extreme than what's actually going on. First of all, uh, the headline is your favorite restaurant may be taking delivery off the menu, um, which sort of implies that all these national chains are just going to pull their presence from DoorDash and Uber Eats and GrabHub entirely. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. But we are seeing restaurants take off delivery during peak times, um, literally turn off their delivery function and focus on the consumers that are in the restaurants. And I know uh, you, Carl, have had this happen to you when you're doing your off-premise reviews. Um, I know when you went to North Italia, you talked about that happening periodically to you, um, one of your favorite restaurants, and all of a sudden it disappears from the platforms. Now, we've talked about this in the past of this being not the best way to deal with the unusual pinch point that we're in in the industry right now. Um, we've got restaurants reopening, tons of pent-up demand to go back into dine-in, um, a certain number of restaurants that aren't reopening, so a lack of capacity, uh, new demand in the form of digital delivery off-premise consumption, and then a labor shortage, right? And when you combine all of those things, you can see how it would be really, really tough to have supply meet demand uh, consistently, and in particular at peak times at really popular and busy restaurants. So, um, you know, I think some of this is the unusual time that we're in, the confluence of all these events coming together at once, and that will ease as uh, restaurants start to design for this new world, um, changing around uh, how their kitchens are laid out. Um, similar to what we talk about in the book, where drive-throughs change the layout of their kitchen to be able to satisfy both dine-in and drive-through demand, um, opening up ghost kitchens that focus more specifically on off-premise consumption, uh, and utilizing things like uh, kitchen automation and dynamic pricing to increase the output capacity of the kitchen, and then also uh, gate demand uh, during those very peak busy times. So as all of those things come into play, I think we'll work through this. But right now, you can see that restaurants are um, struggling to meet all the demand that's out there for them. I guess a good problem to have. So 7-Eleven is piloting robotic delivery. What's happening here? Well, 7-Eleven, uh, as we know, is the largest C-store network in the U.S. They've got 16,000 stores. Uh, I think they have 77,000 around the world. And they're now partnering with Neuro, um, the autonomous vehicle manufacturer that we've mentioned before in the Monday Minute. As you might recall, Meredith, they got some big funding only a few weeks ago. And they're going to start piloting these autonomous commercial deliveries in Mountain View in California. Um, they have an app. 7-Eleven have this app called 7Now. Uh, which is their first party platform for all intents and purposes. And they're operating in 43 metros, over 500 cities in the US already, with huge kind of plans to expand. Um, now, tackling cost efficiencies of delivery is something that we talk about often, of course. Um, it's why robotics and automation is so central to a lot of investment strategies right now. And it makes sense as a partnership between 7-Eleven and Neuro for that reason. 
Now, I believe the test is going to start in self-driving cars uh, with a human inside for supervision purposes and then later move on to the kind of end to unmanned vehicle itself. Um, but I think it's just another demonstration of how it's not just restaurants in this space, but anyone that has the capability to use their location and to be able to support customers wherever they are. Now, 7-Eleven's no strange to this. They were one of the first, I think their chief digital officer said they were one of the first to actually try drone deliveries back in 2016. So it's great to be able to see them innovative in this area, to be able to see the way in which they're trying to take everything from the 7-Eleven store, with the exception of alcohol, tobacco, lottery tickets, out to customers locally to them. So perhaps next time we're up there, Meredith, we should uh, give it a go. Okay, our next question is about Gen Zers and a survey that's occurred over in the EU. Uh, they say two thirds of Gen Zers believe current food systems are destroying the planet. What do you make of all that? Yeah, you know, I couple this together uh, with another article that talked about some old school CPG staples that have been remade to be healthier. And both these things together give me a great deal of hope that we are moving in a direction of eating healthier, both for our own bodies and for uh, our planet. You know, there's long been a tension, I think, in packaged food and the restaurant industry of trying to make things that are craveable uh, versus trying to make things that are healthy. And I think what we're seeing is that the younger generations are demanding both. They want food that tastes good, but they also want food that makes sense for the planet, makes sense for their bodies. Um, and I love the uh, magic of the and here, as David Novak would say, um, of really um, taking these two things that historically have been at odds and figuring out how do we deliver them to consumers together. Um, there are so many companies that have come out in the last few years focused on doing exactly this, uh, both in the restaurant and CPG space, and a bunch of mainline, huge, big grocers and uh, restaurant brands and CPG companies who are doing the same thing um, within their own portfolios. So um, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, can the big companies change fast enough um, versus the new companies who are innovating and taking maybe a more extreme position? Uh, but I love that the younger generations are demanding it. All right. Uh, next question is for you, Carl. So Shake Shack is trying premium menus. Tell us about that. Well, this one is all about the margin squeeze that is going on across the industry right now. And uh, Shake Shack are looking to have a premium menu with add-ons such as black truffles, cherry peppers, avocados, and premium type ingredients to improve that overall margin. Because as we know, labor, food costs, and just general supply chain costs have been going through the roof this year. And quite honestly, I think are gonna to continue to be like that for the next six to 12 months. So the consumer hasn't changed their expectations. We often talk about the fact that consumers are having heightened expectations of where and how they eat. And so they're still expecting great food and better food. And so I'm kind of excited about what Shake Shack are doing here. They're offering these premium related items and the ability to add toppings on top of standard items, as well as things like black truffle burgers. And the great thing about this is it doesn't drive away value orientated customers. It enhances the interest of customers to customize and personalize, which of course is a, a huge aspect of um, digital restaurants today. But it similarly addresses these commercial challenges that many restaurants are just working through. Their, their CFO, Catherine Fogarty, said it's all of these different upsell items which the guest walks away, hopefully with the feeling that they had a great experience. So I just love the way in which they are thinking about this challenge 
but also trying to keep the customer central to the experience. And it started as a trial also through their app, by the way, and then it expanded into in-store operations. So it's another way of thinking about how to use your digital footprint as a means to innovate, test, and once proved, actually then roll it out across a network. Okay, our final question this week, Meredith, is about Kitchen United. Uh, they've debuted their third New York City location. Uh, so why is this significant? Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I think this opening uh, demonstrates the best iteration of Kitchen United yet and why it's special. Uh, yes, it's a ghost kitchen optimized for off-premise consumption, but it also has a consumer-facing portion, uh, which I think is hugely important in a country that has demonstrated that they love to do what I call self-delivery, um, pickup or drive-through, in order to uh, get, collect the food themselves and then uh, consume it off-premise. So, um, you know, step one, I think uh, a great uh, differentiator there. And then step two, what I find interesting about it, you know, we get the question all the time, Carl, um, as people who've spent a lot of time in ghost kitchens, who are ghost kitchens for? What kind of restaurants do you best there? And uh, usually there's a question behind the question where the person believes that Really, it's only for startup restaurants, and it's about you know not having enough money to build out their own restaurant. Or really, it's only for big national chains that have a huge brand presence. Um, or maybe it's for regional brands that have some brand presence that are expanding. Right? We get we get a lot of different people with um, a very clear point of view, and I think this opening, when you look at the collection of restaurants inside of it, clearly demonstrates that ghost kitchens work for all types of restaurants. Uh, and the different restaurants use them for different purposes. So they've got national chains here, um, folks like uh, Wingstop and Chili's. They've got international chains that are coming into the U.S. for the first time, like Meal Thai. They've got local brands. They've got regional brands who are expanding. So a good California brand, uh, Greenleaf Chops Shop, going into New York. Um, very, very different reasons for using a ghost kitchen as part of their overall real estate portfolio, which I think is super interesting. Uh, and then finally, I think here you start to see the full power of the Kitchen United tech stack come to life, um, both in terms of the multi-concept ordering that it enables. So consumer can get um, food from different restaurants in a single order, in a single delivery, but also in terms of the back end uh, through the Zool acquisition that they are able to integrate into uh, dense commercial and residential environments, um, which is particularly important in Manhattan. So um, I'm pretty excited to see this opening. I can't wait to go there and see it in person. Great. Well, thank you for, as ever, listening to our Monday Minute. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Please leave your comments below. Any questions or anything you'd I'd like to say you agree with or disagree with, we always like to hear from you. And we look forward to speaking to you again next week. The Monday Minute is available for you to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Watch us on YouTube and follow us on all our social media, learn.delivery channels. Thanks for listening.